Hey there, welcome to this episode of the Skiff Meetings podcast. I'm your host, Miguel Navsh, the Editor-in-Chief at Skiff Meetings. And in this episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Michelle Alger, the Senior Vice President Education and Engagement at Financial Services Institute, and also MPI's Chair of the International Board of Directors. In our conversation, we cover how her family experiences got Michelle started in events. We talk about how strong personal and professional relationships made all the difference to her during the COVID pandemic. We talk about why face-to-face network is so important for attendees and how MPI, Meeting Professionals International, has deeply impacted Michelle's career. We talk about her excitement around the potential of AI to help planners facing high demands that require efficient operational strategies. And we talk about why Michelle thinks the future of events is all about providing unique experiences that attendees can't get anywhere else. I hope you enjoy this conversation and don't forget to check out the other episodes of the Skiff Meetings podcast. If you like what you hear, consider rating the podcast or leaving a short review. And of course, we'd be delighted if you share it with your network. Thanks for listening. And now for a word from our sponsors, PHL Life Sciences, a division of the Philadelphia Convention and Visitors Bureau. Host your convention or trade show in Philadelphia, one of America's leading life sciences hubs. PHL Life Sciences, the first and only CVB division of its kind, will connect you to the professionals at the forefront of your industry and to a culture you can only find in Philadelphia. A city known for its rich history that's forging a bright future, Philadelphia challenges the expected and defies convention. A world of discovery is waiting. Visit phllife.com to learn more. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Skift Meetings podcast. I'm your host, Miguel Nevsh, Editor-in-Chief at Skift Meetings. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with my friend, Michelle Algar, the, uh, let me just check your title, Senior Vice President, Education and Engagement at Financial Services Institute. Michelle, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Miguel. Thanks for having me. I'm really glad to be here today. So, Michelle, we've known each other for a few years now. Uh, we shared some time on the MPI iBOD, which was which was a, a very interesting and very um, educational kind of fascinating experience. Um, wanted to kind of get everybody to to know you a little bit, know your background, know your your sort of uh, where you started, and I and I'd like you to start, if you don't mind, if you remember, uh, from by the point of when you first came into contact with with business events with the world of business events and then take us through to the present day and maybe we'll we'll go off on some detours in the meantime sure so um i will say as a child i was always very fascinated with planning i always was wanted to know all the details and draw my parents crazy about all of our vacations and and all of that so um when i was in college my father uh, had a business conference in San Antonio and he invited my mom and I uh, to the event and he was responsible for planning a small private dinner. And I went with him um, you know, to the pre-advanced meeting and saw where he had the invitations made up. He had selected the menus and then my, my mom and I also got to participate in the dinner. So that was probably like the first inkling into um, conferences. And then probably later that summer, uh, one of my friends invited me to ASAE's annual conference in Boston. Uh, Their father was getting the Key Award, which is a very prestigious award in the industry. And so I got to go 
and and see him get this award and also got to walk the trade show and was mesmerized, you know, by all the booths and all the energy of the people on the trade show floor. Um, and so when I was in college, I went to Ithaca College in New York and I ended up taking um, a, a, an in, part of my internship, college internship requirement was with um, Hyatt Hotels Management Training Program. And that really was probably the beginning of my journey. And I just had a great experience uh, working for them. I participated in Hyatt Regency, um, Cambridge and Boston and did that and then ended up getting hired after my program was over and then relocated to Washington DC. And then I worked in the you know Hyatt um, management role for several years before transitioning into associations. And then I moved over to associations mainly for more work-life balance because I was working crazy hours, probably six days a week, one day off, usually like a Wednesday, which wasn't very social for someone in their 20s. Um, so I remember when I got my my job, my first job in an association, it was nine to five, weekends off, holidays off. And I thought it was like, oh, this is awesome. Um, but I started with American Bankers Association and I was their registration housing coordinator. And then from there, I went on to uh, doing the education uh, for their events and then doing the meeting planning. And then um, as my career progressed over the years, I moved to different associations just to keep moving up and taking on more um, responsibilities in my roles. And and finally, I'm in my current job for the last 11 years, and I'm the Senior Vice President of Education and Engagement. So I'm responsible for the overall strategy um, our, you know, of our conferences. I work with our members to plan the content and just you know, really love what I do. Fascinating. So this sounds like there was a, a year there in college or so that really piqued your interest. And then- yeah. And then you went the hotel route and then you decided, well, this is a little a little bit too intense. We we did, yeah. we did a little bit of a work-life balance and association seemed like a, a good route there. I will say um, when I transitioned on the association side, it really helped having that hotel background. So it really helped me in my role as a meeting planner to really understand um, how to work with a hotel, how to, um, who I needed to talk to when I needed to have things done. So it really helped provide a good foundation. And so when you speak to family and friends that are not in the industry, <laughs> is, it, is it easy to explain what you do? I try to um, give re relatable analogies. So my sister-in-law is in real estate and she goes to their national real estate conference every year. And so I try to share with her like, okay, you go to this conference. Well, I'm the person that secures the location of where you're going to meet. I'm the one that orders all the food that you eat. I'm the one that picks out the speakers that you hear and, and does the room sets. And so when you're able to kind of relate it to something that they're familiar with, I feel that it helps. Uh, my mom's 82 and I'm still amazed. I just came back from a conference and she was asking me, oh, so how many people were at your event? And so I think they get it. I don't know that they completely understand, but I think they have a, a good understanding. Good, good to hear. <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit about the types of events that, that you do for FSI? Um, mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm sure you do a range, but if you give us a kind of mm -hmm. overview, that would be really interesting. 
Yeah. So, you know, throughout my career, I've worked on various size events, small events to as large as 25,000. And in my current job, our largest event is 700 people. So going from 25,000 to 700 is a lot more manageable and easier, but also um, we're, we're a smaller shop. So really we have a really lean team that we're doing everything versus on a larger show, you have um, one person just handling this, you know, one aspect of the show. Uh, so I would say, um, you know, I just had an event this past week and probably one of the most um, uh, proud events that I'm, that I, that I've had over the course of my career with, you know, I've had incredible speakers and uh, just great experiences. But I think the one that stands out the most is during COVID. It was probably the most challenging um, and planning experience, you know, so unpredictable, things constantly changing. And, you know, typically we plan events so far out and leading up to this one event, I I re I replanned the speakers a million times. Um, just you know, you'd have we had we'd have the Delta variant came. We had a snowstorm come, and just when you think you know you you had everything planned, something else would happen. And so because of all the challenges and being able to actually host the event, have good attendance, and have our members really be thankful for us being able to show them how to plan an event during these times was so incredibly satisfying. Um, and that was probably one of my, I think, most treasured experiences that I had, even though it was really challenging. I can imagine. So you, you mentioned the COVID pandemic, and this is something that we've covered a lot and, and mm -hmm. kind of the change of the industry. Um, but, I, but I wanted to maybe ask you for some positives and or some silver linings mm -hmm. that you think sure. came out of the COVID pandemic, because I am seeing a lot of deep changes to the business world and to the events world, but I'm always interested to understand what we maybe learned or what we took out from it, in your view. I would say probably the number one is relationships, both personal and work relationships of just how important they are. I think that's the biggest thing for me that came out of that. And then just that we're incredibly resilient, you know, change is constant and it, it helps show us that we can adapt and, and just continue to innovate and look at things differently and come out resilient. And I think that that's incredibly um, huge, you know, constant contingency planning. Um, but I, I would say probably the most um, was the relationships is just so important to have those strong relationships with your family. And I think they were solidified during COVID when you're spending 24 seven with, with your, with your family. And then just also having those strong business relationships to help you through those really tough times. Yeah, for sure. And, and in terms of the, the leadership at, at the Financial Services Institute, do you feel like the approach or the attitude towards events has shifted? Um, after COVID, you know, you mentioned relationships and I guess the importance of events, right? Is that something that it is seen differently today, you feel? So the main reason our members come to our events that we plan is for networking. They're all about face-to-face -face networking. And while it's great to be on a video with you and I love seeing your face, but I would love to see you, you in person 
more. And so we do a lot of business um, face-to-face. And, and again, our members were so incredibly grateful that we were able to show them how to put on a meeting during these times. Um, they, they do their own events as well. So they're really looking to us to show them how to do it. And I'll be honest with you, I look towards our, our industry. I went to MPI's conference um, during COVID and Grapevine and saw firsthand how they did their events. And I took those best practices and brought them back and implemented them in my own company. And then my company, my, my members took our best practices and used them for their conferences. So I think if anything, um, they definitely see the value of our meetings and we have very strong support. Great. So you mentioned MPI and of course you are chairperson this year, which is congratulations on that. It's a, it's a great role to have and uh, looking forward to learning more about your your plans. But um, also wanted to kind of ask you, you know, you, you have a lot of success in your career and I wanted to just get your thoughts on kind of the key qualities and skills that have enabled you to to climb like this. You, you've done very well in the association world and now you're leading the largest association of meeting professionals in the world. Um, how do you do that? So I think honestly, what I got involved um, with MPI for the education and I stayed for the community. I worked for a nursing association and the the main reason the nurses came to the events that I planned was for continuing education to maintain all their certifications behind their, their name. And that's what inspired me to get my CMP. And when I went and sat for my CMP, I know I needed a study group. I couldn't just take the exam on my own. And that's how I got introduced to MPI. I took a study course through the Potomac chapter and that led to someone in my study group asking me to participate in a committee. And I'm like, sure, have no idea, show up for a meeting. Next thing I know, you know, they're asking me to go to a council meeting to, um, you know, sit in for the chair and the next year I'm chair and I continued um, to move up that way through MPI. But also um, I would say my professional development, I've always been a strong advocate for it. So when I got my CMM, it was to showcase um, you know, to my members, I was just as serious about my career as they were for theirs. And then I went on and got my CMM because I wanted to show that I understood the strategic functions of a meeting. And I was able to implement a business plan in my current company that actually I saw go to fruition. And that was such a satisfying thing to, to have. And then for my CMM, I decided I wanted to, you know, really show that I understood how an association worked in all the different um, departments. And so I I went and got my CAE. So I'm constantly striving for what's next, what can I do to help build my skill set, to help show my value within my in my company. And a lot of times, you know, uh, you didn't I didn't necessarily have uh, that next step in my current job. And so I found through my volunteer work with MPI. I was able to get more leadership experience in a safe environment with my peers and really be able to sit at a board meeting, um, learn how board meetings are done and just really build up that skill set. And so I was able to progress through 
my chapter, be chapter president, go on to MPI Global. And you and I actually were on, I think, professional development advisory council together in like 2013 or something like that. And um, and then went through those roles. And then finally, the last six years, I, I've been on the international board of directors. And prior to being chair, I was um, the vice chair of finance as well for them. So it's, I'm constantly setting goals for myself and pushing myself out of my comfort zone and continuing to build my skill set. Well, I think you, you, your, your rise and your, your trajectory has been, has been inspiring. What are your thoughts on, on, on MPI? Obviously as chair, you're now the, the, the leader, the, the, the association leader, right? The, the volunteer leader. Um, and it's it's an interesting time for associations. I think uh, different people have different perspectives. I think younger generations don't necessarily look to associations in the same way as as, as in previous years. But I'd love to get your your thoughts on how do you make associations grow in in this environment, in today's environment, and what what what's the value that you're kind of bringing to the the meeting planning community? So. I definitely feel the community is 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 crucial for us. Um, and you know, during Cleo Battle's uh, year as chair, he was really focused on growth, and I'm really focused on the education and the community. I feel that it's so important to tap into the next generation, to our young professionals, to help showcase the tools, best practices. Um, industry research that they can use to help them in their roles and, and help all of us. And so we're really trying to focus on just education being that MPI is the, the leader in professional education. And that is our focus this year. And you feel that the trajectory that you had, that idea that, you know, come for the education or join for the education and stay for the community, is that the is that the natural flow you feel? For members? For members, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I personally do. It's It's been an integral and part of my role. Makes sense. So other than MPI, are there any kind of organizations or or people uh, within the industry that you feel that you've, you've learned from or, or have been kind of really important for you in, in your career? I mean, I would say Honestly, MPI has probably been the biggest um, impact in, in my career, just allowing me to meet so many people that I've been able to turn to um, in my own professional job for resources, uh, when I've been looking for jobs, when I've been looking for best practices. Um, I've been involved in EAC, ASAE, but I would say my home is, is definitely um, MPI. It's just a, a place where I've been able to to call home. Absolutely. And uh, I expect WEC this year will be a, a, a big moment for you. Um, what would you say to people that are on the fence or maybe they're thinking about it, they're heard about it, uh, they're considering if they should attend? What would you say and you know what? how would you kind of uh, invite them to attend? For me personally, I love going to industry events because that's where you see firsthand um, 
new speakers, new ideas, new sponsorship opportunities. So I'm always going to events with that lens, looking at what can I take back to my own company and implement. And so WC is always um, an opportunity to showcase those innovative ideas, um, different education formats, uh, different speakers, and really getting you thinking about different things, and also just an incredible opportunity to network with others. And so why wouldn't you want to come and learn these incredible ideas that are going to help you in your own job? So I hope you'll be there. Sounds good. Sounds good. And I'm that also, also applies coming. to the European event, right? The MPI yeah. EMEC in, in Luxembourg, yes. which is which is before that. Are you ready to celebrate your successes in the world of meetings and events? The Skift Meetings Awards are back for 2024, recognizing the most innovative business events companies across 15 categories, and we want you to be a part of it. Winners will feature on Skift Meetings, sending a clear signal to events professionals around the world that these are partners they can rely on. The final deadline for submissions is June 11th. We encourage you to start your submission today to secure the best entry rates. For more information and to start your submission, head to live.skift.com. You mentioned kind of, you know, looking at, at the newest things and newest ideas, and I wanted to just shift a little bit towards trends um, and maybe any trends that you're excited about that are that you're seeing, whether it's in your events and MPI's events or just general trends in the industry. Sure. So I'm really excited about AI. I just think it's awesome. Um, I I know so many people are scared about it. We just had um, a speaker last week at our annual conference and she introduced herself with an avatar. And I'm like, how cool is that? Like we figured out a way to clone ourselves. Um, I know people are scared by it. I I am definitely have stepped in the water. I'm certainly not an expert about AI, but I'm intrigued. I wanna learn how to be more efficient. I want to help my team um, reduce some of the stress they're feeling and 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 help them uh, with AI be more productive. And um, so I am actually looking at taking the um, the certificate course through MPI. I think that there's one coming up in April and I'm looking at some of my staff doing it. I just, I think one, we, this is an opportunity for media professionals to really showcase that we know how to use it and come back and show our company how to use it, set, put policies in place on how we're gonna use it. Cause clearly it's just kind of wild west right now, but I think there's there's a tremendous opportunity for all of us to really embrace it and then leverage this incredible technology. Yep, I do agree there. Do you have any sort of clarity over where do you think it's going to go for, for for your company in particular in terms of you know how you're going to be able to use it once you take the course or figure things out yeah i mean we again my my team has been using it probably since this past summer so we use it on marketing copy um i used it to help write scripts i used it on some of my registration materials of just helping me you know, wordsmith things. Um, I know some other planners have used it for the voice of God for introducing um, their speakers. So I think there's just so many opportunities to use it. I know one of our, our staff also, he 
use it to help condense this big, long legal document that he had to read and, and just help synthesize the points of it. So again, it's just helping us be more efficient with our time. And time is, is very valuable and we never have enough time. Absolutely. The, the running joke for me is the, uh, you write three bullet points as, as marketing copy and then you give it to AI and it writes two pages. And then oh, the I know, reader, I agree. It's like shorten, shorten it, shorten it. But then the reader takes those two pages and asks AI to summarize it and gets back yeah. the three bullet points that you wrote originally, right? Yeah, exactly. So you mentioned kind of not being afraid of AI, which I think is, is a great stance, but what, what are you challenged by? What's keeping you up at night in terms of kind of the, mm. the meeting planning universe? There's a few things, but I, I would say probably the number one is staffing. Um, there's just, there's not enough staff. Uh, I, after the COVID pandemic, we lost a lot of good people that were in those key roles. And, and while we are hiring new people, um, you know, there's, you just don't have necessarily the expertise and the longevity and those roles to really understand how to work together. So a lot of time is spent training new people. Um, to get them up to speed. Um, and also just, I mean, even our staff, we're just, we're stretched really thin. They're just, if one of us is out, it, it, it's detrimental to the team. So a year ago, uh, one of my direct reports was out on maternity leave. And, you know, it was right before our annual conference. And so it, we ended up taking her job and just having different people do different parts of her job. And I think there was like seven of us that did her one job and we laugh about it, but like she was so critical to what we did and, you know, just trying to find a way um, to get it done and let her have that time with her family and not not worry about us here. But staffing is definitely a, a, a challenge and continues to be a challenge all over. You know, you go into hotels and you just don't have the staffing that you used to have. and just trying to figure that out and set expectations because again, members are still coming to events with the pre-COVID expectations and things aren't the same as they used to be. Things will never be the same. And so just trying to set that new mindset and give them the experience they want with the resources we now have. Sure. I think that's something that's coming up a lot in, in our coverage as well on, on stress, uh, sorry, on, on, yeah. on HR really, and, uh, and, and finding the right people to, to fit those jobs. But I, I, I uh, Freudian slip, I wanted to cover stress because uh, no stress. Exactly. Well, you did also mention in your intro around, you know, the idea of maybe the, the hotel, you know, entry level jobs in hotels being a little bit beyond yeah. what is, what is healthy, let's say, um, yeah. and, and the shift that you made, um, how do you deal with stress? How do you help your company deal with stress, your team? Uh, yeah. That seems to be a topic that comes up over and over within the. Yeah. And I think many world. professionals were like, what in the top three or top five, like most stressful jobs, um, absolutely have stress. Um, and I, you know, there's just never enough time or resources in everything we do. And I, I even think like during COVID, very stressful time. And then I, I just found like, you can only control what you can control. So just what is that one thing 
And so I finally, you know, during that time, I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to, I'm going to exercise. And so like I had control over that. So just, I think it's hard for a meeting planner because we want to control everything and you can't. So you have to let go of that and just focus on what you can control. We always have to plan ahead for contingencies and it's just, you just don't know what that next thing is. And I feel like, like I said before, you finally feel like you have it all under control and then, oh no, you got that. Here's another thing, you know, and it's just, just one more thing that is thrown your way. Um, I do think, you know, leveraging technology is definitely a way to help kind of control some of that stress, um, be more collaborative, um, more efficient. Last year at WEC, we were in Mexico and I went to one of the yoga sessions out on the beach and it was a lovely way to start the morning. And they really did a great job of integrating well-being into the conference. And again, this is things I'm learning and I'm also bringing back to my, my own conferences as well. And since um, that conference, I have started daily meditations. I also walk every day with my husband and it's just our, our time to just have time alone before the day gets crazy. And we just spend time in the outdoors, getting fresh air and just all of that, you know, try, try us to help. We try to help alleviate the stress. I mean, it's there, but just acknowledging it and trying to, to cope with it. That's great to hear. Um, it's nice to hear that, you know, an event had uh, a positive long-term impact on, on your way of doing Absolutely. And what about with your team? Do you encourage your team to do the same? Do they have different ways of dealing with it? Yeah. So um, ever since COVID, we've been virtual. Uh, we still have an office where staff can come in, but they're not required to come in. It's just if they want to come in the office, they can. And we do have some younger staff that live in studio apartments. So they absolutely want to be um, here in the office or they're in an apartment with a whole house, lots of housemates, and again, just need some quiet time and they'll come in. Um, we meet um, in-person quarterly and uh, we have, we also have half day Fridays and no meeting Fridays. So we try to help our staff get prepared for the weekend with their family. And just, you know, that first half day on Friday, just start, shutting down for the week and then transition into the, the weekend with your family. We also, like one of my staff, the one I was telling you had a baby, uh, he's starting swim lessons. So she's gonna take half day, a uh, couple hours on Thursday to take him to swim. And so we try to help our staff have personal time and also work hard when we're working, but have that flexibility so that if their kids are at soccer or whatever, they're able to do that without feeling guilty about having to be at work. And so just really um, being open and transparent about what your needs are and trying to meet our staff where they are. Um, we're very small, very collaborative, and just really, you know, we, we have daily meetings and just really there to support each other. Very interesting. Thank you for sharing. Um, what about sustainability? We've been, you know, it's been a topic in the industry for years and years. Um, 
And I'd just like to understand how it impacts you and, and, and your work. And, and I mean that both from a you know, logistical perspective, what are you doing about making your events more sustainable, but, but also if you want to talk about the bigger picture of sustainability in, in, in events and meetings, right? Because we know that travel is not necessarily sustainable, but at the same time, you know, we are hopefully educating and helping people really progress. So how do you kind of coincide that and, and kind of make it work for you? I mean, it's definitely a key issue for our industry. Uh, one of the largest shows I've ever worked on was Solar Power uh, International, and that was the large show is telling about 25,000 people. And sustainability was one of our key drivers for our events when we sourced it, when we when we went on site and all of that. So I tried to take key learnings from that and implement them into my, my current role. Um, I'm a, a continuous learner. I have on my list this year, I wanna take EIC's um, certificate program. I'm very interested in taking that, again, just continuing to learn and, and, and grow from that. EMEC this year, uh, Luxembourg, you said you've never been, uh, they rank six globally in sustainability. So again, I feel like when I've gone to um, EMEC in the past, it's a great place to learn and see firsthand how uh, sustainability is being incorporated into events. And clearly we can be doing more than, than we're doing. Yep, I agree. Very interesting. Um, wanted to kind of um, take you a little bit um, towards kind of, if, if you think about people in your role right now, uh, your peers, uh, people that have maybe association planning roles, anything like that, if you were to organize an event for you and your peers, you said you're a lifelong learner, you're, you, you have all these things that you're looking at, what would that event look like? What would you really like to see at an event that's planned just for, for your specific needs, but of course your peers would also hopefully enjoy it as well and then take something out of it? So I think that just leads to like what our event's going to look like in the future. And we're finding more and more that people want experiences and it's important that we're we're catering curating the content for that specific individual as much as we can we're providing an experience that they can't get anywhere else and you know they're able to have more than just education so if they're coming to the location they're they're extending their stay to learn more about where they are my uh cousin's daughter she's three just had a birthday and um she told my aunt that they they didn't want presents they want experiences for their kids well experiences obviously cost money um so I think it just goes to show that, you know, the younger generation is being brought up expecting those experiences and, and they are more impactful and more memorable. So if I were to plan an event, that's what I would want to curate those experiences. Definitely. So it'd have and, to be a... And by the way, she had a baby pig at her birthday party. <laughs> that's, that's what she wanted. That's an experience. That's a little bit more than experience. Was it a, like, you keep the pig or was it just a, I know. that's quite an experience. 
So you mentioned already kind of going to MPI events um, and that kind of inspiring you. Um, are there any events that you've been to lately that impressed you and that you kind of took things away from that, that kind of come to mind? So, yeah, like I, I said, the WEC event in Grapevine, all the COVID stuff, the signage, the sponsorship. And again, that was another event where um, they're planning, their sole focus is on COVID. And during the event, we have a, a the fire alarm goes off. And we all had to evacuate. So it's just, again, being on your, being adaptable and being able to figure that out. But uh, um, I know just with conferences that are happening, there is a, a, a meeting planning group that I'm a part of, and we sh we're constantly sharing best practices. So as we're going to events, we're taking pictures of the signage, the sponsorship opportunities, um, the room sets, and sharing it with each other. So every event I, I go to that I'm, I'm looking for those ideas that I can bring back. Um, so, and again, the larger industry events where they have more money um, is a great place to learn from. And as we talk about future and learning about events, um, if you think maybe five years down the line, do you think events are going to be very different then you know is is ai going to come in and change everything is it all are all events going to be experiences what what do you mm -hmm. think would it look like this i guess we're talking 2029 what what will an yeah. event the average event in 2029 look like for you hopefully we're still face to face <laughs> maybe we're in space i don't know um, are we all no, with but... apple vision kind of goggles yeah. on our face like yeah. walking around I mean, face-to-face -face events are going to continue to evolve. Um, technology is going to continue to impact them. I mean, that's that's a given. I, I think they're just going to continue to transform. We're going to continue to adapt to the trends and, you know, continue to leverage whatever that technology is. I mean, who's who's who knows what our technology is going to be? It's constantly changing. Um, but I don't think meetings are going to go away. They're just going to continue to evolve. But I don't have that crystal ball of what they'll look like. Well, I, I, I might as well ask, right? I think it's always interesting yeah. to get different yeah. ideas from different people. And and thinking about, of course, you know, evolving meetings, evolving events, evolving. Is there anything in the events industry that you would change if you could? You know, if you had sort of a magic wand and said, okay, I really want events to be better in this perspective. What would you change if you could? I mean, I, I personally think sustainability, we have to focus more on that. It's just, we have one world um, and we need to take better care of it. So just, I think that we have to be able to reduce waste and promote sustainability and event management. And that is um, one thing I would like to continue to have evolve. Great. Hopefully that those events in five years time will be way more sustainable and hopefully the climate crisis will have yeah. been averted or managed, but you never yeah. really know, right? And events can be part of that. I remember going to an MEC conference a few years back and they were talking about all the trash in, in space. And I was just horrified by that. And it's just, again, being educated and understanding um, what our impact can do and, and how we can, can do better. Yeah, I think events are a great way to, to do that, of course. Mm -hmm.
Michelle, it's been a pleasure uh, chatting with you. Uh, I think we should wrap up there, but I wanted to get your recommendation on who we should have next on the podcast. And if you will also, what would you kind of ask them? Because it'd be good to get your perspective on, on a good question to ask them. Sure. So I would highly recommend featuring Rachel Andrews. Uh, she is the Senior Director of Meetings and Event Marketing at CVAT. She is a dynamic young professional making significant contributions to the industry. Uh, this year, she joined MPI's IBOD, and I think she's showcasing her leadership in the, in the industry uh, association, and it'd be great to hear from a young professional. Yeah, and she's organizing some some very large events for Cvent, right? So that'll be kind of interesting. Yeah. So what would you ask her? What would be a really interesting question to ask her? Oh no. <laughs> I think for her as a emerging professional of what can we do to continue to attract the next generation? I mean, that's the question we all want to know, right? What what can we do? Yeah, that uh, that tricky question of making our industry and our and the jobs within our industry appealing and and keeping mm -hmm. everything evolving, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely fascinating, Michelle. Thank you for joining us today. I hope everybody listening enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. I did, and I I look forward to seeing you in Luxembourg. I'll be there for MPI EMEC and uh, wish you lots of success at FSI and also with MPI. You have. Another 11 months to go of your uh, chairmanship. So uh, I look forward to hearing a lot about MPI and your your great activities and your plans for this year. So congratulations once again, and, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Miguel. Look forward to seeing you soon.